0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Money Wisdom Podcast, Providence's very own podcast show that is now into its second season. Over the past episodes, I had the privilege of interviewing people from all walks of life on their views on the value of advice. Today, I'm very happy to be able to interview, I want to say our special guest, but Seth is our colleague. So, I'm just going to say we're very happy to be able to interview Seth who runs his own YouTube channel called Satisfy. And uh, like I said, he is Providence's very own client advisor. So Seth, welcome to the Money Wisdom Podcast.
1: Hi, Chris. I'm glad to be here. And
0: yeah, now it's my turn to interview you.
1: Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's, a
0: bit, it's a bit weird because we're in the same room, mm-hmm. uh, just sitting on the opposite side of the chair. So maybe just to start us off, uh, I mean, you have a YouTube channel. Mm. Maybe you can tell us uh, what made you actually start the YouTube channel. Uh, when did you actually start it?
1: The YouTube channel actually was an extension of my website. Nah. Yeah, so I started my website because I wanted to write about my views, uh, including politics and. You my still daily write? Life. Eh?
0: Do you still write? No more. No. no. Redditor, right? So <laughs> yeah. now YouTube is here.
1: Uh no I, I still do write on my website oh, okay, uh, okay and I I still make YouTube videos okay, as well okay yeah so it's just that I stopped all the politics and the non finance things because it was the finance things that okay. sort of gained traffic yeah okay. I I think people would rather read about finance stuff rather than you know how my day went and, okay. <laughs> and my views on politics
0: but really I uh, mean you wrote about politics I That's wanted to such write a about dangerous politics. topic to write.
1: Uh, yeah, correct. So luckily, yeah, luckily I managed to pivot to finance okay. before anything too controversial came up.
0: Yeah, so just out of curiosity, between politics and finance, right, which one got you more views? Uh, I didn't really write
1: much on politics. La. I think I have a grand total of maybe two pieces. Okay. Yeah, so the finance things uh, were more uh, popular. Okay. Yeah, so I just did all purely finance.
0: So just... Uh, I mean, articles, but you didn't do any YouTube at all uh, on politics. No, no, no YouTube okay. on politics.
1: Uh, recently, I did something with a friend. Yeah, but was just yeah, just talking about the presidential elections, but oh, yeah, it was, it was nothing serious. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, yeah, I mean, besides just starting something on, I mean, I know you said that you started with politics and then you move on to finance, but... Were there other reasons why you wanted to run finance, personal finance, besides sharing your own views? Uh,
1: I think I o- have always been very interested in the area. Mm. Yeah, so for myself, I'm always trying to find out what's the best uh, credit card, what's the best insurance policy, you know, okay. how to invest my money. So I think it was a natural extension to just write about it, to make mm. content about it, to share my views.
0: Okay. Yeah. You did this after your stint in the industry, right? Not during, right? Yeah,
1: um, actually during my time in the industry, I actually had a website as well. Mm. Yeah, so I was writing quite frequently there. I also had a little bit of readership at that time. Okay. Yeah, but then after that, I left the industry for a while. Okay. Yeah. Then I somehow was still interested in the area and that, that's why I started okay. my website and YouTube. So for those
0: of us who do not know, uh, Seth actually joined the industry first as an insurance advisor and then mm. subsequently he joined the financial advisory to provide independent financial advice right before he left. If you're interested to find out why he left, I shan't say it here. Maybe you can check out his website Uh, because that's also the same reason how I found Seth and then managed to uh, persuade him back to the industry to join Provident. Okay, so today's interview is really, or today's podcast is really about the value of advice. And like I said, I had an opportunity to speak to different people, all walks of life. I've spoken to uh, the work man. I've spoken to the managing partner of the legal firm that we work with about the value of advice. So it'll be interested to hear from you. Not so much from a client advisor perspective, mm. right? maybe more as either a YouTuber or even before you join us, I'm sure you have certain views about money. So it'd be good to talk about your views about money. So I'm going to start by asking to share some of the money beliefs that you grew up with? Mm.
1: I think I've always been a saver. Uh, I'm not really sure why that's the case, uh, but mm. I think if I look back at my growing up years, uh, actually I, I grew up in a pretty comfortable middle-class family. Mm. Yeah, And I get like Lego, new Lego sets every year when mm. I did well during exams, mm. birthday, those sort of things. Yeah, And then there was one time, I think uh, the first camera phone came out, oh. and I really wanted it and my parents... Uh, actually had to sit me down and say, you know, son, uh, we're actually not doing as well now because there was a health event in the okay. family. Yeah, so they had to sit me down and say, okay, we're not as fortunate as before. We can't afford this. So they, they told me that. And I, I guess it really stuck with me because I think after that, I became very frugal. Mm. Yeah, I
0: just... I How old were you then? Do you remember?
1: Probably 18, 17, 18.
0: Oh, so that's teens. like JC period. Yeah. And... Are uh, you the oldest in amongst your siblings
1: I'm um, the younger of two uh, oh, two kids
0: okay young the the, youngest. the younger one yeah so okay. I have an elder sister okay so that was quite mature of you at the age of eighteen when your parents sat you die and just simply tell you that uh, things are not so rosy now, and then suddenly yeah. that changed, and then you became more frugal
1: yeah I, I I guess because in the past i didn't really have to worry about money. Mm. And then when they sat me down to say that, I I thought, okay, seems like things are pretty serious for them to have to tell me that. And yeah, I think uh, that probably started it. And of course, after that, I went on to uh, NS and all, you know, money wasn't, there there wasn't a lot of money, Mm. right? So I had to be very frugal. Mm. And then also my experience uh, working as an IFA also, because Mm. my income wasn't, uh, very good at that time. So I also had to watch my purse strings quite a bit. Mm. So I think I, I grew up with this, uh, you know, mindset of scarcity. Yeah, uh, yeah. Even though my young childhood years, I did, didn't did really lack for anything. Okay. But after that, I think I began to uh, feel like money is very hard to come by.
0: Okay. So uh, that, you, you mentioned that happened after around 18 years old. And then suddenly there's this switch. Uh, I mean, did your parents do anything different at all to make you feel that uh, money is hard to come by?
1: I think uh, it was quite obvious la, because when I was much younger, we used to stay in a much bigger place. Okay. We had uh, two cars, two mates, that kind of thing. Okay. Okay. And then subsequently, we, we just had uh, one car. We reduced okay. and then we had no more mate. Okay. Uh, and then we downsized a little bit. We went to rent instead, okay. yeah, so I think uh, even when I was very young, I didn't really have to think much about money, but I think it was quite apparent la, that mm. it is a bit different now, yeah, and so I thought, okay, maybe I should change my behavior as well okay. at that time, yeah,
0: so it was more i mean I can see that it is it was more experiential, you know that. Uh, I mean it's not like your parents set you down and say okay stop spending on this stop spending on that you know they, I mean I'm sure they still provided for you all those basic necessities it's just that you notice a change of financial situation back at home so all these things right um, you mentioned scarcity but are there other money values that f- as a result of that experience uh, today you have these uh, money values
1: From my growing up years?
0: Yeah, I mean from 18 because obviously that seems to be like the point of departure. Before that, uh, you didn't have to worry so much, whatever you wanted, uh, you probably could have uh, all of these things and suddenly things change, right? Yeah. So how did that shape? I mean, you mentioned the scarcity mindset. Maybe you can unpack that a bit more but also were there other things about your money values that suddenly you somehow have them because of this change?
1: Mm, I think after that, the uh, the second event would be because I didn't go to uni, right? So yeah. I had a very, um. Uh, I wasn't, it wasn't very clear what my career would be like in future. La. So mm. I, I sort of prepared to earn quite little okay. compared to my peers. Okay. Yeah. And I think that also contributed to my uh, mindset of, okay, I have to save every dollar mm. that I can.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting you talk about you didn't go to uni because mm. I know when we first met, uh, we did an interview and then just before you left, you said, uh, I don't know whether you remember, yeah. but you told me there's something I need to tell you. And you said you didn't go to university, right? And the response I gave you was like, okay, I mean, so what, you know, but uh, it's interesting to share, actually, why didn't you go to the university? I mean, yeah. you went to good school, you actually obviously, you obviously did well in primary school. You went to a pretty branded, good secondary school. You went to a top junior college. And then that's it. You decided to stop there. So maybe it's good to share what happened. You know, actually, why, why didn't you decide to pursue university?
1: Oh, um, my grades in junior college were, were quite bad. Mm. And I think after my old levels, uh, I was kind of burnt out. Okay. For some reason, for some strange reason, I just decided that academics uh, were not my thing. Mm. Uh, I couldn't see the link between what I was studying versus what I'll be doing in future. Yeah. So when I joined uh, the junior college, I actually thought, okay, what is the most uh, relevant thing I would do in future? And I thought, okay, let's take biochemistry because mm. that can uh, lead to being a doctor, right? To study in medicine JC. in, JC. Yeah, in you JC. You mean they have this kind of topic? Uh, bio and chem. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay, got yeah. it. And I didn't think bio in secondary school. But to me, that was the clearest uh, link I could make between my academics and what I will do in future. So I thought, okay, I'll be a doctor. And, you know, uh, given my school circumstances, everybody there was either gunning to be a doctor or lawyer, those sort of things. Yeah, so I thought, okay, I'll study bio and chem so I can, be a, uh, I can study mm-hmm. medicine in future and be a doctor. Oh, and I... Uh, yeah, it was not for me. Okay. It was it was such a difficult. Both uh, topics were not for you. Yeah, both topics were very bad. Uh, yeah, so uh, it was very very demanding academically, and I just decided, okay, uh, somehow at a grand age of eighteen, I decided, okay, nothing is going to uh, happen if I just let go of my studies now. Everything will sort sort itself mm-hmm. out. I don't know why I had such a okay. uh, you know confidence at that time. Okay. Yeah, so I I just didn't study at all, and I got
0: triple D. Okay. My A-levels.
1: Yeah, so with that kind of results, I can't get to university.
0: So I'm just trying to piece the two events together, right? So I mean, 18 was quite a tough year for you at the age of 18 years. So that year was pretty tough, right? Because you decided to give up your, on your studies. And then that event of your parents sitting you down, telling you that things at home, not as good as before. Which, which one happened first?
1: I think the parents sitting me down happened before that.
0: Do you think that affected you in terms of your desire to study? Or ah, you were pretty affected by it and then, ah, okay, I'm so tired about studying. I'm tired yeah. about life at 18 years and <laughs> you started to give up everything.
1: No, I don't think they were related. Uh, yeah, okay. At the time, I, I, I just was, you know, I was very sick of studying. Yeah, okay. So I just let go. Yeah.
0: Okay. So event one, you suddenly realized that things at home, not so good. Mm. That changed your mindset about money. Mm. And then you mentioned event two was that, well, you decide to give up on study and you realise that, okay, uh, I'm not going to go on a normal track. I now need to find ways to make money. Mm. Is that, uh, or are these the reason why you had this scarcity mentality that, okay, always not enough. I need to uh, work hard because money is not easy to come by. Are are they in a way?
1: Yeah, in a way, I think uh, after I left JC without a degree, uh, I mean, without a UD admission, and then I finished my NS, uh, to me at that time was, okay, I have no means of making money now. Mm. Uh, yeah, so that I think also contributed to the mindset of uh, I'll never have enough.
0: Okay, yeah. so if I were to sum it up, right, if I were to ask you to articulate, uh, what would you say would be your money values today? The, the, your value, Your values towards money. How do you see money today?
1: Uh, I still see it as a resource to be managed wisely. Right. And every dollar that I put aside now will actually contribute to having more resources in future. Mm. Yeah. So I believe in delaying gratification. Uh. Mm. Yeah. So I'm I'm someone who's uh I think still quite frugal, mm. uh perhaps excessively sometimes, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And uh, you know, even things like meals uh, I still try to limit myself to five, six dollars. Yeah. A day and, uh, or a meal. Per meal. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And anything around $10 and up, to me, that's like luxury. I try not to spend that much on food. And I would never take taxi if the bus and MRT is still running.
0: Okay. Unless you are late for something.
1: Yeah, correct. And even though the the cost actually relative to uh, what I'm earning now, actually is not that high anymore. Mm. But to me, it's just, uh, I think... Out of habit. I, to me, I just cannot justify spending $20, $30 mm. to mm. save me about 20, 30 minutes. Yeah. Mm. I'd rather take the train, mm. I'd rather take the, the okay. bus and all.
0: And then after NS, you realised that you didn't have that certificate. Yeah. You had a pretty bad A-level certificate. Correct. Unlike a lot of young people, they have a degree, mm. you didn't have that. So what did you do next to earn money?
1: So I actually responded to a part-time job offer of doing telemarketing because telemarketing actually can earn quite a little bit per hour. Uh, yeah, so I, I responded to the advertisement. It turned out to be an insurance agency oh, okay. who realized that I'm someone who can speak relatively okay. So I, I was uh, two days into the job and the manager uh, tried to recruit me.
0: Oh, okay. That's how, that was how you started. Yeah,
1: correct. Okay. In the insurance and I...
0: Okay, and I know you also gave tuition uh, for, I mean, you still give, but you gave a lot more tuition last time. Uh, When did that start?
1: That was 2015. So that was a few years after I started my insurance career. Concurrent? Uh, No, after that, because uh, my first year in the insurance industry, I was actually making quite okay income for someone without a degree. I think my top month I actually made five digits. That was I think barely half a year into the into the career. Okay. And at the time, twenty one years old, without a degree earning that much. Wow, end, yeah. yeah, I felt like top of the world kinda yeah. feeling. Yeah, but subsequently uh, I left uh, and I joined the IFA because I realized that whatever I was selling at that time, the commission were very very good. Right? Mm. Uh, but yeah, I realized hey, they weren't actually very good for the, the clients. clients. Okay. Yeah, So I felt very bad about it. And then I went on this journey of discovering uh, other better solutions out there. So mm. I, I ended up in an IFA. Mm. And yeah, it turns out that uh, when you recommend the very good solutions to <laughs> your clients, you actually earn much less commission than before. Yeah, so... The tuition was to supplement my income Mm. uh, during my IFA days. Mm. Uh, During my IFA days, I was averaging maybe thousand per month.
0: Okay. Yeah. In commission. So, I'm again trying to put that together, right? Because, uh, I mean, you didn't have a piece of paper. You know, finding a job would be tough. And then suddenly, you chance upon this job, being an insurance advisor and you were doing pretty well. Uh, Without a degree, people would have hung on to that job, lah. Mm. Right, because it's making you quite a bit of money, and money not enough, and you wouldn't probably you, you probably wouldn't be able to find another job that gives you five thousand dollars a month at that point in time without a degree. And then here you are, you quit because of your noble aspiration <laughs> of wanting to do the right thing. You yeah. know, so is that one of your money values as well? I
1: think it's sort of linked to the feeling I got in JC where I thought, okay, everything will sort itself out. Mm. Yeah, I just need to do what I feel is right. And then everything will sort itself out in the future. Mm. So that, that was uh, me being quite naive again, I think. Okay. So I, 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 yeah, And I discovered, mm, yeah, actually it's quite tough to mm. make money when you are trying to prioritize uh, clients' interests first.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then subsequently you went to do, of course, this YouTube thing. It brings you, it brought you some income. Yeah. So that's why you have multiple streams of income. Yeah. Right? Do, do you think that came accidentally or it was quite intentional that, okay, I read that paper, I need to work hard, and it would be good if I have multiple streams of income.
1: Uh I think the t- tuition thing was out of necessity. Because out of, uh, when I'm earning a thousand per month, it was really very difficult for me to get by. Um Although I, I think I made it work somehow, right? Mm. Because a uh, thousand per month, I actually managed to budget and stay within that budget for quite okay. a, quite some time. But then uh, some tuition assignments came along. My friend okay. did, didn't want to teach anymore, so he passed it to me. So I took it and then I realized, hey, this gave me regular income that uh, supplements my, uh, you know, thousand dollars per month income from being an IFA. Then after that, uh, each additional student got me more income and therefore I just did the natural thing and just continued to mm. teach more and more. Mm. Yeah, and eventually tuition became the main income source. Mm. Yeah, and after that, uh, it became my main thing for a few years. Yeah, the, the YouTube and website came about because I think I was always interested in personal finance. Okay. So leaving that space made me, stu- uh, you know, didn't make me feel any less for, the, for that area. So I, I eventually started it as a hobby.
0: Okay, not with the intention of making lots of like advertising. no, dollars, no right? my my okay.
1: thought was if it could earn uh maybe fifty dollars per month to to pay off my headphone bill or that that's excellent really. Mm, okay, yeah, but it, it went on to make a lot more money than, than I expected So so now mm. it became a a business on its own.
0: yeah, so like it, it seems like okay, your turning point was eighteen. you know, suddenly you realized that things uh, weren't as good and you have that uh, what you describe as that mindset of scarcity. Uh, I won't call it myself scarcity. Rather, I would say that you realise that money is not easy to come by and therefore you need to work very hard. But at the same time, you want to do the right things and make money correctly. And even when things became much better because you have different sources of income and your tuition business or uh, debt stint uh, is actually making you a lot of money, you still chose to spend below your means because somehow... Uh, it has become a habit, plus their mindset of, yeah, money is not easy to come by, still remains. That's why you are still very frugal. You are still very prudent in your spending. Would I be right to say that? Because that seems to describe your views, your money values.
1: Yeah, correct. I think over the years, I, I programmed myself into associating spending with pain. And spending s- with pain. Yeah, I think most people, when, when they are down, they... they they will go on retail therapy, right? They will mm. buy something to cheer themselves up. But for me, if I have to... Whenever I spend money, I actually feel uh, pain rather than pleasure. And when I find a good deal or I save money and I didn't have to spend a certain amount, I actually feel good about it. So that wow. makes a saving more natural to me. Okay. Yeah.
0: I mean, is it still like that today? Where when you spend, you actually feel painful?
1: Yes, actually. So whenever I have to buy something... Uh, actually, I think multiple times whether to buy something or not. And when I realized that, okay, I do have to buy it, I will have to go and compare, go and see where, okay. where I can get the best deal. And it's just a force of habit that I cannot change.
0: Okay. Yeah. So the YouTube uh, yeah. uh, is an expression of who you are because you like to compare things.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, correct. So um, when I do have to spend, I need to compare where, you know, gives me the cheapest deal. And this kind of content actually resonates with quite a lot of people as well. Mm. And then when I spend, uh, what's the best credit card to get me the best rewards? Yeah, so mm. that that's, yeah, whatever I share on my YouTube and website is actually what I personally practice
0: also. Okay. So, I mean, listening to what you have shared so far, I mean, because my next question that I prepped for you lah is really about are you confident about the way you manage your money? But, I mean, from what you have shared, the answer will be yes, right? I think you're pretty confident in the way you are managing your money now.
1: I think on the spending side of things, I'm quite... Okay with uh, yeah so I stopped tracking my expenses for for I think almost 10 years of my life I, I track every single Seven. dollar I spend okay. yeah but now I don't do that anymore. I think now my issue is actually I'm, I'm quite careless with the management of money actually
0: okay can you elaborate that uh, a bit for us?
1: yeah so I, I realized that um, sometimes because I, I think my, my money life has become a little bit more cluttered because now I have multiple, Income sources. I also have multiple areas where I'm spending money on. Um, for example, uh, business costs, right? Like um, there are some costs that I have to pay for on my tuition business side of things. And sometimes I have my own personal expenses. Sometimes I help friends to pay for things because I, I want to earn the card reward. Yeah, and then I realised that uh, sometimes I don't claim back the the amounts that I'm owed. Oh. Yeah, so okay. it's me being very tardy. I'm, so it's kind of like I, I'm very careful uh, on what I spend on. Mm. But when I actually do make certain payments and I'm supposed to chase uh, mm. people back for payment, yeah, I sometimes just let it go. Mm. Uh, sometimes subconsciously. Sometimes the debt is too old already and I'm just
0: like, ah, it's too weird. Mm. And but that's not a matter of confidence, right? Yeah. It's probably that you are so busy, yeah. you have to look after so many things and then you just forget. Lah. Because it's not about being lack of confidence, right?
1: Uh, it is more like, I think, I, I know this issue of mine, so okay. I, I, I'm taking steps to re- rectify it, as okay. Well, okay. to have more a, a better system. and all. Cause I, I'm generally quite, um, how do I put it, not that systematic when okay. it comes to managing my stuff. Yeah. I have a broad picture of where things are, but I don't have a specific, uh, uh, how to say, like I don't write down, which I should be doing, right? Mm. Where, okay, where Mm. things are. So I'm trying to keep better records on my own finances as well.
0: Yeah, but I I really feel that that is not your inability. It is not because you're not confident. It's just that you need to be a bit more diligent in keeping your finances uh, properly, right? Uh, I mean, just to clarify for those of us who are listening right now, I mean, Seth is uh, employed staff of Provident. Uh, he's paid a salary because uh, otherwise we think that well, he's back to his old days, he's making commissions. So he has got three sources of income. He gave t- he's doing t- tuition. He's making money from his uh, YouTube channel and then we are paying commission. So actually he's a full-time staff of uh, Providence, but well, we allow him to still do uh, his tuition. He's not doing that much now. And of course, YouTube, like he said, is really a hobby. And if he makes money from it, that's, that's great lah. Okay, so, I mean, based on what you have shared, it is really about being more organised. Mm-hmm. But have you ever made poor money decisions? And maybe if you have, share some of them.
1: Yeah, I think I definitely have. Uh, I mean, even...
0: Because you're so careful, so I've got to ask, right? Like, right? Have you made mistakes before?
1: Yeah, I think... Uh even the best of us, we, we make mistakes from time to time. So I'm, I'm, I'm clearly far from the best of us. Yeah, I think the most recent example I can think of uh, would be GameStop. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, at that time, okay, I'm, I'm someone who's actually relatively conservative in my own uh, investments. But when GameStop came about, I felt this sense of FOMO, right? Yeah, hmm. fear, fear of missing out. Mm. And yeah, everybody's saying, okay, in theory, right, what's going to happen is going to just keep going up, going mm. up. So I just bought a little bit um, just to... uh, Satisfy that FOMO. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And then within the hour, not even an hour, I think within 35 minutes, it came crashing down. Yeah, so at that time, I quickly cut loss. I think, you know, people will say paper hands, Mm. right? Paper hands meaning you don't hold the the stock. Yeah, but I'm glad I did it. Uh, I still made a loss around, I think, $200 within half an hour. Okay. Relatively small amount, yep, but small I amount. think it was still a good reminder that, uh, yeah, you know, some things you shouldn't just get caught up in the, with the hype. Yeah. And any make any poor any other
0: poor decisions besides this one?
1: Uh I think it will be well, poor decision.
0: Any poor <laughs> spending decisions, spending like decision. you 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 spend without thinking twice, and after you bought something, then straight away, you regretted it. Okay, like when we went to Sydney and then you went to Apple Store and you bought quite a few things home.
1: Yeah, I think most of my expenses are calculated. Yeah, and I bought bought stuff from Apple in Sydney because it's cheaper, way, I mean it's cheaper there. And then there's tax rebate. And at that time, that product was not available in Singapore yet. Mm. Yeah, so I think uh, my circumstances are a little bit stranger in the sense that sometimes I'm, if I were to say about poor decision, it would be not spending money when actually money needs to be spent. Right. Yeah. Sometimes I think I'm guilty of that more often than buying something that I regret. Mm. Yes.
0: So So for someone who is pretty diligent in uh, spending, um, you have got good money values before you join Provident, right? And when you have to make difficult decisions, do you have anyone that you speak to, someone that you trust that you bounce ideas with, uh, especially when it comes to investing and all that? La. Do you have anyone? Before Provident? Before Provident.
1: Uh, before Provident would be my ex-colleague. I have an ex-colleague from uh, my previous IFA. Okay. Yeah, but aside from him, uh, I think there are actually quite few people that I know of previously that share my interest in uh, personal finance I guess that's also one of the reasons why I started my online stuff.
0: Okay, and that that particular ex-colleague also left or still oh, around? Oh, he's still around. Oh, still around. Okay. So, um, now I'm going to ask you a question which might be difficult now because, I mean, you have been doing this with us for the last one year. Um, but what would you consider to be good advice?
1: Right, good advice, I think, would be uh, good and sincere Uh, if I were you kind of advice, right? So uh, by that, I mean, if you put yourself in someone's shoes and then you uh, think of yourself as the person and do things that would uh, benefit yourself the most. Mm. So you give advice as if you are the person and sincerely, you believe that is the best course of action. So I think that to me is good advice. Mm.
0: So, I mean, today people... Pay you a fee for advice, because that's how we ch- we 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 work right our clients pay us for advice um, but before you being part of us mm-hmm. okay, I know it's hard to imagine that but would you would you really pay for advice? good advice would you do that
1: uh are we just talking about financial advice yeah financial advice yes financial advice. I think uh, there's always this mental block when it comes to paying Mm. a fee for financial advice because the norm is uh, you don't pay for advice, right? In fact, the advisor or the agent sometimes treat you to (laughs) coffee or meal. Yeah, so uh, I think there's always this mental block when it comes to paying for advice. Yeah, so honestly, before joining Provident, I would say that I would be willing, but only if the cost is relatively low. Okay what is low a few hundred
0: dollars okay yeah okay yeah. so you will be willing to pay but the cost must be just a few hundred dollars that are low correct in that correct yeah. and
1: i think um it also has to be whether you know it has, it has to depend on whether or not i can see value coming out from that transaction
0: mm. okay so again it's not the cost mm-hmm. it's also the value correct. you won't even pay 50 bucks if there is no value
1: yeah, correct, correct.
0: Um, okay, now, it's interesting, right, because when you were with the IFA, you were obviously doing very badly Yeah, because you were giving good advice. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like pretty ironical because actually you were giving good advice uh, and you should be paid for that good advice and uh, you were paid badly and so you quit. Yeah, but you see the dichotomy because now I'm asking like, would you actually pay for advice? And I say, well, I will pay, but only if it's uh, not too high, a few hundred bucks and give good advice.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so at that time, actually I tried to charge fees also. I was charging about, uh, I think towards the end of my career there, about a hundred dollars for initial consult. Yeah, then thereafter, of course, any product transacted will be um, commissioned based. Mm. Also I think that that fee was meant more to sieve out the not so sincere clients. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then later on I tried to up it to 250 and that's that was when uh, there was a hard uh, stop to I think hard objection, uh, you know, clients start to say no. $100 mm-hmm. still was okay. Okay. Yeah. But I guess the the irony uh, at that time was uh, as you mentioned, yeah, I was not doing well in a commission model. Mm. And personally, when I pay for advice, honestly, I would say that it is, there is a mental block, mm. right yeah, mm. because if when the norm is uh, commissions, you wouldn't really mm. think of paying a fee mm. yeah but when if you are asking uh, where will, will I pay a fee for a doctor, for lawyer? Mm. yeah, I would have okay. because the norm is everybody pays their lawyer uh, you know, an upfront fee. Mm. yeah, so I think, Yeah, that's my answer.
0: So now that you have been with us for about a year, right? Has that mindset changed? That people should... I'm not asking about you now, right? But but I'm asking like, do you think people should pay for good advice?
1: I think now that I know... I mean, I know how it works, right? Definitely, I would say that people should pay for advice because um, the cost associated with financial advice, I mean, it can be a direct cost, It can also be an indirect cost. Mm. So I think uh, you would rather know the direct cost upfront and pay for it rather than to incur a lot of indirect costs that you may not know, Mm. right? But it's still coming up from you. Mm. Yeah, so I I think uh, knowing what I know now, Mm. I I will say that uh, people should pay, even though it may be something that feels difficult, feels Mm. like it's different from the norm. Mm. But if they know truly how much value they can get, they will realize that it's it's better to pay the fee.
0: So I guess what you're saying is that, I mean, there is no free lunch. Everybody needs uh, money, right, to survive. And so when we work, we should earn an income. That's only fair. Uh, So when you are taking financial advice, Mm -hmm. you are paying anyway. If -hmm. you are taking advice from a commission-based person, you are paying. Uh, you are paying in the form of a commission. You're paying anyway, right? And in fact, it is very important to know that you are actually paying not not the insurance companies or not the product providers, right? You are actually Mm -hmm. paying because using the insurance product as an example, if you surrender your product that you bought in the first few years, you get nothing back because Mm -hmm. actually what you paid in terms of premiums have gone to pay the advisor. So you are actually paying. When you are paying a fee for advice, it's more transparent because mm. you are paying f- out from your pocket mm. that fee. La. So you are you are paying anyway. The question really is whether it is through commission or whether it is through a fee, mm-hmm. are you getting value out from it? Yeah. Right? Because if there is no value, it doesn't matter if the fees are very, very low. It's not worth paying, right? So, how would you then define the value of advice? What would you deem as value of advice? If I may change the question a bit, how would you determine if you are taking advice, right? If the value, if the advice is adding value to you?
1: How to determine? Oh, okay. I I think to do my own research on the subject.
0: Okay, are you speaking as an advisor or are you speaking as a consumer? Consumer. Okay, so if you're a consumer today yeah. and I want to give you advice, correct. the first thing you will do is that you will do research. Yes, Okay. Correct. What would you research on?
1: Yeah, I, I think uh, I will first research on what is the best best practices. Okay. Right. I think if you look, uh, if you think of financial advice, there are actually a lot of online resources these days. I mean, apart from my website and YouTube, there are a lot mm. of forums discussing these issues, right? Because financial advice is something that I think Everybody needs, and because of that, uh, it's relevant to a lot of people's lives. And there's mm. a lot of discussion online, and there's a lot of good material written online. Mm. So I think by researching more, reading more of these articles, you can start to form your own uh, opinion on mm. whether or not the advice given to you is um, good advice or not. Mm. It does not need okay, you don't need to research hundred percent of the topic. You just need to know enough to have a little gauge on whether or not the person telling you, uh, okay, the the, the advice given to you is something that's reasonable or not. Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. I guess what you're saying is that, I mean, today with internet uh, and with information so easily accessible, Mm -hmm. I guess the advice that is given to you by the advisor is only valuable Mm -hmm. if it is over and above what you would have gotten from the internet. Mm-hmm. Right? Because if an advisor is telling you the same thing that you can get from the internet, uh, and all he does for you is a transaction, mm. then where's the value of advice? Because actually you know as much as the advisor, or maybe you know even more because you can do all this research on your own, right? So the advisor is not really an advisor. The advisor is a transaction person.
1: Mm. I think there are two parts to it. One is uh, knowing the theory, the other is actually executing the plan. Mm. Because if I were to think of uh, another service <laughs> as an mm. analogy, uh, let's say mm. fitness trainers, mm. actually most of the gym equipment, mm. uh, most of the techniques and all, one can research online and just practice ourselves. Right? We don't need a gym trainer, theoretically speaking. Mm. But still there's value in hiring a fitness trainer because of um, you know you can have someone to tell you exactly Uh, how your form is, Mm. right? someone to motivate you, someone to keep you accountable for your own fitness regime and things like that. So one, they they give you the proper theory which you can research on your own. But two, they also help you execute Mm. your plan. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I realized that because I used to use a trainer and I had a trainer for two years. lah. So, I mean, I know all the weights machine, I know theoretically how to use those weights machine, but one of the reasons why I engaged a trainer was because I wanted to make sure that I'm doing it right. Because mm-hmm. if I don't do it right, even though I know it in my head, but when I execute it, I don't do it right, mm-hmm. there's a high chance I will injure myself. Yeah. If I injure myself, and I said I can't exercise for months, right? right. Uh, so I had that trainer for about uh, two years. It was a very good trainer. And then guess what? I stopped. And then I stopped because obviously it's a pretty expensive thing. And then I thought, okay, I've been learning from him for two years. So now I know how to do it. So I went to the gym uh, some weeks back. And I did that. Uh, I, I did some exercise on that particular machine. And guess what? I was doing it wrong. I didn't even realize I was doing it wrong. And then there was this trainer that walked past me. He's not even my trainer, right? So he walked past me and then he saw me doing it wrong and I said, can I, can I just help you correct? So he actually corrected me for free. Okay. Then I realised that yeah, sometimes even after you learn it, uh, you might still not be able to execute it properly because it's just not your profession. I don't do it every day, right? I still, I can still make mistakes. Right? So I, I think that's a, a good analogy. But just to add on on the value advice part, right? at Provident, we always talk about the value advice. And we often get clients that come to us and say i mean the things that you guys preach yeah i, I read it you know and everybody say the same thing right so why should i pay you a fee mm-hmm. so i always reduce it to the three what i call the secret sources like that what we do that add values to client right so firstly uh, you do it on a daily basis is your daily conversations with your clients Right, because you are able to carry out very deep conversations with your clients to uncover needs that they may not even realise. Mm-hmm. And um, in a way, I demonstrated it uh, to all of us here in the first few questions I asked you, right? Because I was trying to really find out your life journey. Mm-hmm. What makes Seth who he is today? And you shared authentically about your family situation uh, how you view your money. So today, if I'm your advisor, mm-hmm. I will take that very seriously because uh, I know you have this mindset of money, very hard to come by. So you're generally conservative. You know. So that's the first value of advice that we add because it's very hard to ask ourselves those kind of questions. Mm. right? So that's one value. The second for us, as you know, is our philosophies. Right, we have our wealth planning philosophy, we have our insurance philosophy, we have got our investment philosophy. And people often ask, like, "Wow, why are you so philosophical? Oh. Okay, and the reason is because our philosophy is actually an expression of all the things that we have learned over the last two decades. We know what works, what don't work. And so we reduce it to our philosophy as guiding principles when we plan for clients. And that comes from experience. Uh, An experience is f- uh, valuable, especially the experience that comes th- from crisis that we have gone through. And thirdly, of course, is the robust analysis that we do as a layman on their own, uh, as much as we try. But um, again, it's not something that you do it on a daily basis. You might not have tools and you may not have data that as a professional institution we subscribe to. Mm. right? So these are the what I call the value advice. Because other, otherwise, if you're doing the same old, same old, uh, then the consumer actually, they don't need you. They can do everything on the, on their own because uh, they can read everything on the internet. And last but not least, as an advisor, you provide that discipline mm-hmm. for your clients to carry out the plan that's written. Because it's one thing to have a plan, it's another thing to be able to execute it. Yeah. Right? Okay, so any final words on uh, this topic of value or advice? What would you say to someone okay, who comes to you today and say, Seth, why should I pay you a fee for advice?
1: Even as a practitioner myself, sometimes I think having the theory itself is not enough uh, because even my own uh, emotions can cloud my own judgment. Mm. So I always find it very useful to uh, look for second opinion from mm. s- uh, someone who's a domain expert. Mm. Right? Even though that I know the theory, sometimes when markets go down, okay, I'm supposed to invest more, but mm. I'm scared to do so. That's right. Right? Because uh, you know, you keep hearing about black swan events, mm. you keep hearing the news go on. Mm. Yeah, so even myself knowing the theory that okay, in the long run markets will go up. Mm. When it comes to my own money, I feel fearful for uh, putting it in yeah, so I find that there's always value mm. in having someone uh, as a sense check mm. to reassure you, yeah this is the theory go ahead with it mm. I think it applies to uh, even things like uh, you know fitness, um, a lot of areas in life yeah, yeah. sometimes we know the theory mm. okay but we need someone to coach us along the way mm. yeah and then like like you mentioned, uh, if you have not asked me about what shape my money values, I think I wouldn't even think of asking myself, hey, why why is my habit mm. like that? Mm. I'll just be thinking, uh, how do I save my next dollar? Right. <laughs> right? Without yeah. wondering why, uh, mm. where that came from. Yeah.
0: yeah, so I guess even the best athlete, they hire the best coach. Yeah, yeah. And they are the best because they hired a coach. Correct. So correct. that is why, I guess if even if you are very good in investments or financial management, I feel that there is a need still to get someone like you mentioned to do the sense check. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Seth, for joining us for this Money Wisdom Podcast uh, interview. Um, and I like to end uh, with whatever, I mean, each time when Seth ends his YouTube, he always say, please <laughs> like and subscribe. <laughs> but uh, for Money Wisdom Podcast, I'll just say, if you have enjoyed what you have heard, I mean, we have got very good content. So please follow us, not just here on uh, this podcast platform but on our social media platform and if you found this particular podcast interviews and many of our content to be valuable please share it with your friends so once again thank you very much for joining us
1: thanks for having me
0: all analyses, views or opinions from interviews, recommendations and other information broadcasted, podcasted or published herein are provided for general information purposes only. Information expressed does not take into account any specific situation, particular needs or objectives and should not be construed as specific advice or a recommendation. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable but the accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. Provident Limited does not accept any liability for any loss whatsoever arising from any use of the information broadcasted, podcasted, or published herein. All contents and information contained herein may not be copied or reproduced in whole or in part by any means without prior written consent of Provident Limited.